Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me in your Bible again today to Acts 22. This is our keynote scripture. We started this series last Sunday and uh, continued Sunday night. I tell you, if you don't come to church on Sunday nights, you just miss a lot. Amen. So uh, we continue this on Sunday night. And unless the Lord leads uh, differently, we'll continue tonight as well. In Acts chapter 22, verse 14, of course now... Uh, The Lord was speaking to Saul of Tarsus, who later became the great apostle Paul. But uh, it also applies to us in a different context because our calling is different, but it still applies to us. And the Lord said, the God of your fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth, mouth. So we've been talking about knowing God's will and hearing God's voice. We started out by uh, making it clear that according to this and according to other scriptures, we know God wants us to know his will for our lives. We know that. In fact, over in, in, in the book of Ephesians, it said, do not be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. Well, if he commands us to know it, then he's certainly not keeping it from us. Isn't that right? God is not keeping his plan. He's not hiding it from you. So we talked about that. And then on Sunday night, we talked about uh, several important aspects of his will that we don't even have to pray about. You know, sometimes people pray about God's will in areas that they don't need to pray. And then when they do, because they don't know his will, because it's right there in the Bible, they're, because of their lack of understanding, then the devil is able to take advantage of them. There's no, for instance, you would never pray for somebody and say, Lord, if it be your will, save so-and-so. Now, if, if, you, if you think it might not be God's will to save Uncle Jim, Uncle Jim or whoever, then you're not really going to be in faith for him. If there's doubt. So according to the word of God, we know it's God's will to save everybody. So we can pray in confidence for somebody. We know it's God's will for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to say, Father, fill so-and-so with the Holy Spirit if it be your will. We found out this, that it's God's will that we be sanctified, that we live holy and sanctified lives. That's lives. That's the will of God. Amen. Pays rich dividends. We found out that thanksgiving is the will of God. We found out that healing is the will of God. We found out, like Pastor Greg's already mentioned this morning, prosperity is the will of God. We found out that victory in life is the will of God. We found out that membership in a local church is the will of God and active participation in your church is the will of God. So those are things you don't have to pray about. We're already told right here in the word what to do, amen? But there are other things in life that the Bible doesn't specifically uh, just reveal, you know, step by step or, or, in, or how it applies in our lives. And so we have to be led by the spirit of God, amen? Praise the Lord. Now, I have determined this because like I said, I've been pastoring now for a long time and I have found out that most people 
are looking for direction in life in all the wrong places. Especially religious people. Even very devout Christians. I'm talking about people who are serious about loving God and serving God. I mean, they're the, I'm talking about those people who go to church regularly and live a good Christian life and, and serve and pray. And in other words, they're serious about God. Even most of those people look for direction in the wrong places because religious tradition has uh, presented the wrong uh, venues or the wrong places to seek God's will and God's direction. And the devil has obscured the pure and simple teaching of the word of God. Amen. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give you four common ways of discerning direction that Christians, these are four areas, four uh, Uh, misguided places that Christians commonly look to for direction. And I want you to notice that each one of them are all in the natural realm. And remember, we are not just natural people. Now, we have a natural part of our lives. Obviously, we live in a natural world. We have a physical body. Our mind is given so that we can uh, engage and, and, and uh, navigate in this physical world. So there is a natural dimension to life. We're not arguing that there isn't. But as Christians, we are not just natural people. We are supernatural people. Doesn't mean we're spooky, It means that we belong to another realm than this natural realm. There's a higher realm. There's a spirit realm. And we have been recreated in union with Christ Jesus. We are part of him and he is us. Like I said earlier, that elevates us into a realm that's different than this natural realm. And it's supposed to supersede this natural realm when it comes to our direction. Amen? So these are four common ways that people mistakenly try to discern direction in their lives. And and they're all really sort of related to one another, except one of them, it's a little bit different, but it's it's still all related. The first and most common way that Christians try to determine God's will in their life is through their circumstances. What happens around them whatever's going on in their lives, they tend to think that God's hand is in everything that happens. Did you realize that, that not everything that happens is of some particular spiritual importance? We've been in church before. This has just happened a few times over the years. We've been in church services before and the lights went out. And, you know, I was preaching real good, you know, and and service was going good, and the lights went out, the PA system went off, you know, the air conditioner went off, and everybody got hot and had to open the door. And somebody after church said, well, the devil really didn't want you to preach that message this morning. Well, you know, I, I I don't doubt that there are some extraordinary times 
when the devil has manifested himself in, I've read of stories and where people, you know, have had, there's been demonic uh, oppression or possession in, in someone's home and things would start turning on and off and things, you know. Well, I don't doubt those things could, can happen somewhere, but I'm telling you, there aren't any demons living in our switch cable and our, and, our, and our electrical cabinets back there. There's no demons in there. I can guarantee you that. There's no devil turning our lights off. Amen. There are nor, just natural things that happen. If you're on your way to church and you get a nail in your tire and you have a flat and you're not able to make it to church, the devil's not necessarily there just but, you know, that nail didn't, wasn't just supernaturally planted there by the devil. It fell out of somebody's truck and ended up in your tire. Now, I, you know, yes, the Lord could have alerted some knucklehead when he was putting all that junk on the back of his trailer to secure it better so that you wouldn't have... But you know what? There are just things that happen. And too many Christians try to, first of all, put some big significance on things that are not significant. Amen. Somebody said, well, I just believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, some knucklehead didn't secure his, his pickup truck and that, that's the reason that nail ended up on the road. There's a reason for everything. But what that saying implies is that there is some kind of divine providence going on. Everything that happens in life, good or bad, you know, God is orchestrating everything. Now, I grew up hearing that. It was taught and uh, when I got into the word of God, when I got back in the fellowship with the Lord as a young man, got back in the word of God, I found out that wasn't true. And so I've been, I've been preaching against that all of my life, all of my ministerial life. But I still hear it. I mean, not, not just in other places. I, sometimes I hear it here. Amen. Well, you know, God knows what he's doing and we just have to accept some things. I call that the gospel according to Doris Day. <laughs> now, younger people won't have any idea what I'm talking about. These kids right now, they're going, huh, what are you talking about? Doris Day was an American film and TV star back in the 1950s, I guess, and 60s. And, and uh, she was famous for singing a song, Case. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Kesarasara means what will be, will be. So I call that kind of understanding the gospel according to Doris Day. And it's not Bible. I found out this. Now, I knew this. You, you've heard my story of the tragedy of my life when I was a, an 11-year-old kid, how my dad was killed. I've talked to you about that. And I've told you before that people said, well, you know, that's the will of God because they said that about everything. It wasn't until just a few, maybe a couple of three years ago, I found out an added dimension of what my relatives thought. I just found out about this. 
Now, I've never, I've never really gone into this, but I can go into this. It's not, this is not the most flattering things to, to tell about my parents. But my dad's been in heaven 56 years and my mom's been in heaven 10 years. I think they'll be all right with this. <laughs> Besides, all of their parents and their brothers and sisters are all gone to heaven too, except my mom, my mom has one brother and he never goes to church so he's not gonna hear this. Before uh, my dad was killed, and I don't remember how much, how, how many months before this, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a very godly man. And like I've said before, he was really revered in our church. I mean, he was the most, just uh, the most respected man in the church, I suppose, besides the pastor. But there was trouble at home because my mom was a little bit off her rocker. She really was. She had some serious mental issues. And my dad struggled with that and they, and they argued. And I remember one time where my dad almost left home. He packed his, they had had this, this big argument because my mom had been just kind of, you know, wacko. And uh, he packed his bags and we're all in the living room, the, you know, the three kids and my I don't think my, my baby sister had been born yet, so it was you know months or maybe a year before this happened, but he, uh, he came out and we were all crying, don't go, daddy, don't go. It's a terrible situation. My mom was, well, if he loved you, he wouldn't be doing this, and it was a big mess. And he had us all kneel down and pray, and after we prayed for a little while, he went back out the car and got his stuff and brought it back in, and they went in the back bedroom and they, you know, they worked it out so everything was fine. When my dad was killed not too long after that, I just found out about this about three years ago, like I said, at a, at a family reunion. I was talking to one of my aunts, my dad's sister. She's in heaven now. And then I was talking to her son just a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. They believed, evidently they knew about the trouble in our, in our home. You understand I was 11 years old, so I wasn't aware of a lot of stuff that was going on. And my mom never talked about it after that. My aunts and uncles were aware of what was going on in our house. And when my dad was killed, my aunt told me at a reunion about three years ago, right before she went to heaven, I said something about it not being the will of God. She said, oh no, your, your daddy's death, that was the will of God. That was, that was what God, it was needed, it was necessary, and it was, it was God. God caused that. And it was for the better. Well, you know, she's much older than I am. And I'm respectful. So I didn't really correct her real strongly, but I said, well, it wasn't better for me. I wasn't being smart about it either. It wasn't good for me. But I found out that what they thought, they thought that God allowed my dad to be killed because if not, he might have left my mother and it would have ruined his testimony and, and a lot of people have been, would have been uh, disappointed and discouraged and it, could, it would have obviously broken up our home. And that's why God allowed my daddy to be killed to keep him from leaving my mother. You know, God has a better way of helping you than killing you. <clears throat> if that was true, <clears throat> I'm looking out here today. 
there would be a lot of empty seats. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> There'd be a lot of empty seats in this house today. Well, see, that, that, that goes back to, well, you know, God, he allows these things to happen in our lives because he's working out some secret plan. Go, to, go with me to Romans chapter 8. This is a verse that's often used to support this. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Romans eight twenty-eight says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I want to read that again. And we know that all things, that's, that's pretty convincing, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, if you take that passage of scripture out of its setting, and put it up on a put it on a plaque and put it on the wall. What does what what would that mean? All things that would mean everything, everywhere, all the time. You could interpret that to mean everything that happens in the universe, and if there's something beyond the universe, all of that as well. All things, everything, every leaf that falls and hits the ground. All things work together for the good of those who love God. But you have, you, you have to look at the context. First of all, how, how could, let's, let's say, let's say my dad, well, since I've used him as an example, I was gonna use Brother Doug, but I'll use my dad. Let's say my dad had backslidden. That's what my relatives were, were concerned about. You know, he would leave my mom, it would destroy his testimony, it'd destroy our family, you know, and we'd never be right again. Dad would backslide, I guess. Let's say my dad, now, now let's look at the verse. For those who love God, that would be my dad, who are called according to his purpose, that would be my dad. We know that all things work together for good for him. So backsliding would have worked for his good. Would backsliding have worked for his good? Now, I know what somebody's thinking. They say, oh, no, 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 no. But see, now he no longer qualifies. Because if he's backslidden, then he doesn't love God and he's not following God's purpose for his life, so he doesn't qualify. Yes, but when he, before he was backslidden, when he was still loving God, when he was still pursuing the God, God's will for his life, in that place, right then, then whatever happened, maybe, maybe he just, you know, just got uh, like a lot of people do, just sort of lose their fire, you know, get casual. Well, that's, that's an event. That's something that happens. That must be working for his good. He loves God. See, he, at that, that, that snapshot in time, he qualifies and something happened. He got deceived. That must be working together for his good. Well, that's absurd. 
No, not everything that happens in the world works together for the good of people who love God. So, well, brother, the pastor is right there in front of us. You have to, you have to interpret the Bible in its setting. That, that idea is taking that verse completely out of its setting and setting it up here like it, like it applies to everything in the world. What is he talking about? Verse number 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That is so uh, common, isn't it? We don't know what to pray for as well. We might know what to pray for, but not the way we could know. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, so-and-so's having marital problems. You know, they're not getting along and they're just, their marriage is really in bad shape. Well, if that's all you know, you're going to say, you're going to pray for them. You're going to say, Lord, I just ask you to work on their heart, you know, draw them together and, you know, reveal the love of God to them. And, you know, and so you're just going to kind of pray. But what if what you don't know, I'm just making this up. What if what you don't know is the husband had an affair and he came home and when he had this affair, he didn't know it, but he... uh, contracted AIDS and he came home and he passed AIDS on to his wife and now both of them have AIDS. Well, now you're dealing with a little different thing. Not that it's bigger than God, but there's something here that has to be resolved. Particularly if, let's say, I'm just making this up, let's say the husband who's done this, he's not even repented and he's sitting here in church. And he's not even repentant. Well, you know, you, there are some other issues that are going to have to be prayed out besides Lord bless them and help them draw them to you. Isn't that right? We don't always know what's going on. But thank God we have help in prayer. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will. Now notice, he makes intercession for the saints. Who would the saints be? Those who love God, who are called according to his purpose because the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that all things work together. See, it's in the context of of prayer, and particularly praying in the Spirit, praying by the Spirit. The Spirit helping us in prayer. When the Spirit is helping us in prayer, then all of the things that he's doing work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So this verse of scripture has been misapplied for, I suppose, hundreds of years. Go with me to uh, Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, you know, I I found this translation many, many years ago, and I've written it in my Bible, had it in my Bible for many years. It's the Phillips translation of verse 7, and I love it. It says, 
Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. Now listen, a man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. For he who sows, and I'm reading the, the New King James here, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to sow to his flesh? Sowing to your flesh is not forgetting to clean the screws up out of the back of your pickup truck. That's just an accident. Sowing to your flesh is yielding to the base and carnal impulses of your flesh. That's what sowing to your flesh is. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap life and blessing. A lot of things happen in life because of what we've sown. So the idea that, well, everything that happens in life, I just believe it's the will of God. The Lord said this to me one time. He said, in order for everything that happens to you in life to be the will of God, you would have had to, it, it, it would, I forget how he said it. You, everything you've ever done would have to have been the will of God. For everything that happens to you in life to be the will of God, then it would require that everything you've ever done was the will of God because if it wasn't the will of God, you've sown to your flesh. Well, I just believe everything, you know, God's doing. So then you're a perfect person. And you've never, you've never, you don't have any bad seed in the ground. That's absurd. Now, thank God we can, we can repent of, of wrong sowing. And we can get that seed out of the ground. But a lot of times, things we've done, said, acted, whatever, even though we discover we were wrong and repent and make it right, a lot of times there's still results that are from what we did because they've been unleashed in the natural realm. Isn't that right? There's no way on earth that everything that happens to you could be the will of God. It's just not possible. Unless, like I said, everything you've ever done was the will of God. I think I'm safe in saying that here today, that that's not the case. Amen. Second thing, and this is a real common thing, you hear, you hear this in religious circles all the time, and without just saying it this way, I still hear it in our company. And it's this business of God opening and closing doors. Open doors and closed doors. An illustration of this, and you've heard me give this illustration, and, and it's good to use somebody outside the church, but <laughs> years ago I had a lady who used to cut my hair. And she was a real sweet woman, loved God, member of a church. She, was a, she had grown up in a pastor's home, and she was actively involved in her large church and she was the pianist at church and a wonderful Christian, loved God. Her daughters were applying, one of her daughters were applying, she applied to several universities and, uh, you know, after she graduated from high school or her senior year 
And the one that she really wanted to go to, she wasn't accepted. But she was accepted in a different college, university. And so this friend, that you know, this hairstylist, she said, well, I just told my daughter. Well, see, God has closed that door and he's opened this other door. So, you know, God knows what he's doing. Did you know what? There's not any place in the New Testament where it talks about closed doors. Now, it does talk about open doors. Go with me to uh, Colossians chapter 4. This is where people get this. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 3. Paul says, meanwhile, I hear pages turning. Patience is a virtue. Meanwhile, praying, my patience is only so far. (laughs) Meanwhile, praying also for us. Now notice that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I also am in chains, verse four, that I may make it manifest or preach it clearly as I ought to speak. So here he talks about, he's, at, he's telling the church, pray that God would open a door for us to speak the word. Go over to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 and look at verse number 27. This is talking about Paul and Barnabas after they returned from their first missionary journey. Verse 27 says, When they had come and gathered the church together, it was in Jerusalem. No, excuse me, in Antioch. When they had come and, and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So we have that Reference. Turn to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read all of them to you. 1 Corinthians. Look at verse uh, chapter number 16. Turn quickly. 1 Corinthians 16. And look at verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened to me by the Lord. And then in Revelation chapter 3, Revelation 3, and look at verse number 8. I know your works, See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Several things, and I just, one thing just occurred to me. I hadn't even thought about this. The first thing is all of these references have to do with ministry. It's not talking about discerning God's will for your life. This is talking about people, all of these illustrations were referring to ministry. Not one time is there any any reference to a closed door. Except, and this is the thing I just saw, except Jesus said, I've opened a door and no man can close it. 
God's not going about closing doors because we don't find it in, his, in the word and neither can anybody else close the door. Now you have to understand that the, there's not a literal physical door. This is just metaphorically speaking, it's talking about an opportunity. Jesus said, I am the door to the fold. Well, Jesus isn't a door. He, he's, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about he's the person and, and the one through whom entrance is gained into the church. So speaking metaphorically. So it only talks about God opening doors and some doors God opens on his own perhaps Others, we have to pray that he opens it. But if you're praying that God would open a door, you're not trying to determine God's will. You've already determined God's will. God's only dealing with opportunities. He's not taking opportunities away from us as a means of showing us his will. Again, these people who are always talking about open doors, closed doors, open doors, closed doors. They go through life and if, and if they go a particular way and they run up against some kind of a, you know, a, a, a wall, so to speak, well, that must not be God. But look at this. This is this, this open. Listen, the devil deals in opening opportunities. Amen. He opens doors, so to speak. All of that is natural reasoning. It's all in the natural realm. It's all up here. Head knowledge. Amen. Then there's this businesses, this business, and, and, and let me skip to, uh, to this last one, feelings, just feelings. Well, I feel like. Well, I just feel like God heard me. I just feel like he didn't. I just feel like. Feeling, 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 feeling. God doesn't lead us by our feelings. He doesn't leave, all of these are circumstance based. They're all natural based. I, I remember one time my mom, she had, uh, she had decided to buy a house and she found a house that was uh, nearing completion and she decided she was gonna buy it. She could not afford it. She was on a very strict pension, but my little sister had died in surgery and my mom was convinced that there was malpractice involved and she hired an attorney and he hired a specialist, a medical specialist and it went to court. And it was, if I remember, it was at least a week. I know it was one week because I, I went every day and went to court and sat in the courtroom and, and I heard my mom's attorney and his specialist, Dr. Sowen. You know, doctors who work in court, aren't working at the hospital. You might put, put you in a clue. It's, why aren't they doing medical work anymore? Maybe they weren't very good doctors. I don't know. But they're still not doctoring. But anyway, they're, they're testifying in court. So my mom's attorney, he had his high-pressured, high-powered, you know, specialist arguing all the wrong things that the surgeon had done, in my sister's case. And... The doctor had his attorney and his specialist from somewhere else. And he came in and gave all of these reasons why it could have been any of these other things that was beyond anybody's control. 
But my mom was convinced she was going to have a windfall from this, from this malpractice suit. So she was living in a house she wasn't happy with. So she, like I said, everybody's dead now, so nobody's going to get on my case except my cousins, and they don't care. She, she contracted with this, with this builder who had, was building. They already had this house on construction. She started picking out colors, tile, because he hadn't gotten to that stage yet. It was, a, I guess, a spec home. So she got involved with him. She started picking out tile that she liked, ugly tile. Weird colors, I thought. That's just my opinion. Today, you'd go, ah. Anyway, this was back in the 80s. She picked out all this stuff, and she was convinced that the Lord had told her that this was going to work out. Well, the case wasn't going very good. I went to the, like I said, I went to the whole legal proceedings, and as the, as the brother of the young lady that, that died in surgery, you know, this, this did not put me in good standing with my mother. I listened to all the testimony, and I couldn't, I was not persuaded that, it, that there was malpractice. Could have been, but I wasn't persuaded. Well, you know, that didn't make my mom real happy with me, but so it's not going very well. And this builder found out about it. And you can imagine he was not happy. You've picked out all of this stuff for this house that I nobody else would want these colors and this tile and all this stuff. And this is based on a malpractice suit that you might not win. You don't have any other money. He was not happy. And so I went to my mom, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to pray with her and help her. And she was, she says, I just believe, I just feel like the Lord heard me. I just feel like he heard me. Well, him hearing you is not a matter of feelings. The Bible clearly says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we don't have to go by whether we, I've had some of the biggest things happen in my life when I didn't feel squat. I mean, I, I felt anything like God had heard me and yet it worked exactly the way God said it would. So you can't go by feelings. But anyway, she, she lost the case. She didn't get the house. It was a mess. Very unhappy contractor. But uh, anyway, these are not the ways we determine the will of God. Praise the Lord. Well, it's 12 noon. I'll stop right here. Praise God. In a little more detail than I intended to today, but sometimes these stories help us a little bit because we, we see ourselves in some of these things, don't we? Some of these illustrations, we look at ourselves and go, boy, <laughs> change the name and the circumstance a little bit, that could have been me. Isn't that right? God has a better way. We'll look at that tonight, Lord willing. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.